The New York Times, Rolling Stone, and critics everywhere are all raving about Annihilation. It's not destroying. It's making something new. It's a mind-blowing experience. And now it's certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Annihilation. Rated R. Now playing. On this special Thursday edition of the Greg Ratliff Podcast, Devin Walker of 92.9 ESPN and all kinds of other places on social media. He's joining me today to talk Memphis Tigers football, which kicks off tonight at 8 p.m. We're going to talk some NBA and a whole bunch of other things, too. So let's get started. Today I want to take a second to recognize uh, the University of Illinois. Many of you that listen to this show are in Illinois, possibly, or uh, know that I'm from Illinois originally. And uh, growing up, I was a huge fan of the University of Illinois uh, and their basketball and football teams, the Fighting Illini. And there was uh, some debate that came about this week because the school discontinued uh, kind of a a staple at a lot of the football and basketball games, uh, War Chant which uh, for anybody that doesn't understand what that is, it's exactly what it sounds like. It sounds like a Native American war chant, uh, very much akin to what you might hear at a Florida State Seminoles game or at a uh, what you used to hear, like an Atlanta Braves games, um, very much in that same vein. And this week, the school finally made public their decision, which apparently they made back in the spring but didn't tell anybody, that they're discontinuing that. Um, And I I applaud them for it. Um, It's something that needed to be done uh, because it's it's an outdated, offensive piece of imagery, audio, whatever you want to call it, that's very offensive to some some fans of the team. And, And I applaud them for that. It's hard to make a decision like that when it's something that has a lot of tradition with your school. Uh, so I applaud their decision on that. The uh, University of Illinois Chancellor um, spoke out the other day uh, about this because the uh, the athletic director Josh Whitman he was a he's a former uh, Illinois football player. In fact, uh, he he made an open letter uh, that he sent out to all the fans of the University of Illinois, just kind of disp- explaining his decision. There was a lot of uh, division over his remarks as well, but. Um, Chancellor Robert Jones uh, reiterated on Monday that the campus isn't going to eliminate the actual um, what what it's called the uh, the three in one uh, fight song medley or the fighting Illini nickname, which is another thing that's been been kind of a target of criticism over the over the years. Um, If you don't know. Uh, about 10 years ago or so, the university eliminated their mascot and imagery uh, depicting Chief Alinawek, uh, which literally involves someone dressing in a Native American costume and attending the sporting events. And uh, over the years, it got a lot of criticism. And eventually the school finally caved and, and got rid of it, which, again, good for them. Now there's still even more debate. After they've you know, eliminated the war chant, uh, there's still some people that say you know, elements of the three-in-one medley need to go as well. And after 10 years, they still need to make a decision on what they're doing with the Fighting Illini nickname. Which the university doesn't even really know what it means. You might be asking yourself, what do you mean? Why do they, they don't know? No, they don't know. Even if you go to the University of Illinois website and in their uh, frequently asked questions section, there's a question in there that actually says, where did the Fighting Illini nickname come from? And the university isn't even sure themselves. I've got the page right here in front of me. When it was developed, did the term Fighting Illini refer to Native Americans? This is a question on their frequently asked questions. This is the answer from, this is, uh, the website is archives.library.illinois.edu. This is part of the University of Illinois' website. Quote, the question is open to interpretation. The time period during which the Fighting Illini nickname developed coincided with the use of Native American imagery, usually in a romantic style. Therefore, it is not surprising that Native American imagery was sometimes associated with 
the Stadium Drive campaign and its slogan. Here are some examples, end quote. And it goes on to, to name some different spots where over time in the early years of the university that the Fighting Illini name pops up but doesn't really necessarily refer to specifically Native Americans. Um, and this also, like, there's another question in here. Where did the term Fighting Illini come from? Uh, and, the, and the answer that the university gives is, quote, the best evidence suggests that it was developed and then used extensively as part of the fundraising campaign preceding the construction of Memorial Stadium, end quote. Which Memorial Stadium is the, the University of Illinois football stadium that's been around since the 20s. So, from there, nobody still seems to understand where it came from. Uh, during the, in, in that last question, uh, you know, where did the term come from? One of the uh, the cited uh, cited evidence that they use is an article from the Alum- Illinois Alumni News in 1925, and there's a quote in here that says, "Out of this came the battle cry of the stadium campaign: build that stadium for Fighting Illini." Since the stadium was built to honor alumni, staff, and students who died during World War One. The term "fighting Illini" was seemingly being linked to military service. At the time, at the same time, the term was broad enough to be of general general applicability. End quote. So even the school says, "Hey, it, it might be a reference to Native Americans. It might not be. We don't one hundred percent know for sure because when the people that created the name, they didn't really make note of, hey, we're we're naming this after." the Native Americans that settled in Illinois in the years before the British did. Because for those of you that don't know, that's the name of the the, uh, the tribe that was based in that area. It was the Illini tribe. So the people at the university seem to have used the nickname to refer to just people from Illinois, calling everyone from Illinois Illini. But some people in automatically associate the term Illini with Native Americans. So there's just there's a lot of debate around what's going on at the university. I applaud them for trying to to make a positive change and affect people in a positive way. Yes, the traditions are going away and, and, and a lot of people are gonna be mad about that, and that's fine. Be mad about it. But you're not going to get in the way of change. We need to be inclusive to everyone. Race, color, background, everything. We need to be all inclusive in every single way. And eliminating things like this that separate people and divide people need to go away. And if eventually that means the Fighting Illini name goes away, then so be it. We've seen a lot of colleges go that route. Marquette used to be the Golden Warriors. Not anymore. The Fighting Sioux. They're getting rid of that name. Florida State is a little bit different. But that's a whole other topic that I don't even want to get into right now. But if the Fighting Illini name goes away, me as an avid University of Illinois supporter, it's fine, Whatever. I'm still going to support the school regardless of what the name is. I still remember being in high school and people wanting to change the name of our mascot, our, our mascot, uh, and because we were the we were the pirates. I remember hearing a couple times people thought that that was an inappropriate thing for high school kids to be calling themselves. Seriously, this was 15 years ago. If you want to change the name, change the name. It doesn't matter. It's still the same school, still the same people. You can still evoke the same spirit with a different name. Call yourselves the the loaves of bread for all I care. I'm still going to support the blue and orange. I don't care. But props to the University of Illinois for, for trying to make the world a little bit more inclusive. So now the moment you've been waiting for, here's my interview with Devin Walker. So Devin Walker has been covering the Memphis Tigers as they get ready for their first game tonight at uh, at the Liberty Bowl. Devin, what, how, how you been doing, man? 
Man, I'm doing fantastic, man. I've gotten a tan in the process of <laughs> being out of football so much. But I, I've been I've been good. I've been enjoying Tiger football. Uh, the camp they they concluded camp a couple weeks ago. They've been getting prepared for ULM. So I'm ready for the real football game to start, man. Like I think the, the guys are excited. I'm I'm even more excited. So what what have you been seeing out out at the out at the practices that's got you excited? The offense, man. The offense is clicking on all different levels. It has so many weapons on the offensive side of the ball. You have Anthony Miller, number three. You have number one, Tony Pollard. You have, of course, Riley Ferguson, the quarterback who's getting a lot of preseason looks. You just have so many weapons on the offensive side of the ball. That I mean, it's going to be hard to stop those guys. I'm interested to see how teams try to stop them because, like I said, it's going to be hard to stop Memphis when you have Anthony Miller on one side and you have DeMonte Coxie or uh, – a Phil Mayhew on the other side. So that's that's something that's really stood out to me this camp. Now on the defensive side, the linebacking core. That's just showing what's playing the defensive team at the linebacking core. Janard Avery, number six. Number 34, Jackson Dillon. And number seven, Curtis Atkins. Those guys are great, man. They're going to have to put in some work this season because the secondary is very inexperienced. So they're going to have to put some pressure on the quarterback and make it easy for those guys in the long run. Are they going to be better at stopping the run than they were last year? I think so. I think so. Uh, Coach Novell talks about how the defensive line, they're bigger in numbers this season than they were last year because last year guys got tired. They weren't, they weren't very – they didn't have many guys to play the defensive defensive, uh, defensive line position last year. So this year they're bigger in numbers. They're bigger in size. I think they'll stop the run better this year. And also I think they'll put more pressure on the quarterback. Memphis was a team last season where we had 12 sacks, which is – <laughs> But if you if you add it up, if you're a math major out there, that's what about a half a sack a game? Yeah, a little over, and, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's that's not good for a Division One football team. So this season, I think Memphis will put more pressure on the quarterback and make teams turn the ball over. I think they'll, they'll be a lot better this season than they were last year. Moving back over to the offense for a second, Riley Ferguson last year had almost four thousand yards. Well, I shouldn't say almost four thousand, but I had about thirty-seven hundred yards, thirty-two yeah. touchdowns. I mean. Can he improve on that this year? I mean, is, or is that that kind of in line with what you think he's going to be at this year? Crazy to think this, Greg, but uh, I think he'll I think he'll have even more this year. <laughs> he'll, he'll have even more this year because of the fact that you you have so many more weapons on the offensive side. I mentioned the Anthony Millers. I mentioned the Monte Coxies, but you have Pop Williams, a scat bag. He's five nine, about one hundred and fifty pounds. He's number nine. He'll take a screen. He'll take it to the house. He's had. He's had one of the best camps I've seen in a while. He's If I had a first-team all-camp, he would be on it because he's had a stellar camp so far. So it's I think it's going to be easy for Riley to just it, – it's going to be up to Riley to make the decision because when he, get the ball, he gets the ball in the playmaker's hands, they'll do all the work. So you look at their early schedule. This is They've got uh, ULM this week, and they go to Central Florida next week, UCLA at home after that, and Southern Illinois at home after that. Yeah. I mean, and that's, I mean, if you come out of those four games three and one, four and zero, oh, man, that's that'd be pretty pretty awesome. I mean, <laughs> it, you, that would, is that possible? You think? I think it's possible, and to think about that as a as to, for us to even say that it's possible means that the, the program is moving in the right direction. I think it's possible because that team is so talented. But I want, I would like to see how the defense progresses in these 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 first three games because. The UCF game's a trap game, Greg. It's a it's a trap game because UCF <laughs> gotten better. They were they were a winless team in 2014. They progressed in 24. They were a winless team in 2015. They were progressed in 2016 with a new head coach. So, and the, the Tigers have to travel down to Central Florida. So, knowing that the UCLA game is next week, so that is the week after. So, that'll be kind of a trap game for the Tigers. I do think it's possible though that that we can be looking at week five. The Tigers can be sitting at four and zero. After beating UCF, UCLA, they'll be in the top 25, and all eyes will be on the Memphis Tigers. So one thing I talked to you before we started uh, doing the interview was that uh, one of the projections I saw from it, and I, I will say it's from a, a betting website, so take from that what you will. But oh, they, but they have they said that the Tigers could very easily go 11 and one or 12 and 0, and possibly even uh, be a team that. Could crack into the uh, into the playoff discussion again, kind of similar to the 2015 team did. I mean, yeah. is is that just crazy to think about, or is 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 a 11 and 1, 12 and 0 really something that could happen this year? I, it could happen. It, it could happen, Greg, because of the way the schedule set up. The, the Tigers kind of avoided the the heavy hitters of the American Conference. 
the, the biggest team they'll face in the American Conference is probably Houston or in Navy. The Navy is the hump. Yeah. Navy is the hump. Tigers have not gotten over in the past three years. They've been dominated three consecutive years. Houston, I think they'll be able to beat them again. Like I said, the biggest hump in the conference is Navy. If you can beat Navy and then face Houston next week with momentum, knowing that if I win this game, there's a possible, there's a chance that we could be playing in the playoffs. It's it's not an outlier, Greg. It, it could it could happen. Like it's this team is so talented, and they have the head coach with a mindset to stay focused on every every week. We're focused on every week. We're not focused on looking ahead. Mike Norville is an offensive genius. He is an offensive genius. And like I said, <laughs> if you can get that defense to just don't bend but don't break, anything is possible, Greg. Anything is possible. So on this same website, I want to hear what you think of this. They have the uh, the over under for regular season wins at eight and a half. Which, oh, easy yeah, <laughs> I would definitely that's take the over on that. Oh yeah, that's easy money. I, I have I've, I've looked at a lot of projections, and most projections have the Tigers at nine or ten wins. The, so. the, this is this is, these are the two fun ones for me. The AAC championship odds, uh, according to this site, it's plus six hundred. Mm-hmm. And the national championship, you can actually get in on the Tigers to win the national championship. It's plus 100,000. Hey! <laughs> hey man, look, 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 man. Just, if, if, you were, if you're a betting man, if you're, if you're a betting man or woman listening to this podcast, put $5 on the Tigers, man. Put five. Put five. And five, and they'll be good. And if the Tigers make it to the national championship, there we go. But like I guess there is a realistic possibility that the Tigers could be contending for either a New Year's Six Bowl or, or a possibility to play in the playoff. Because if you win the AAC, of course you have to face South Florida because South Florida is the, the dominant team on the eastern side of the, of the conference. You beat South Florida, you could be playing in the New Year's Six. And I've seen projections where the Tigers are face, playing in the Peach Bowl. As, as a Memphis Tiger fan and a, as someone that's covered the Memphis Tigers for a couple of years now, that's a, that's a success, man. That's that's an ultimate success of playing a New Year's Six Bowl, having your fans travel down to Atlanta, having it be all Tiger Stripe blue. So, <laughs> I think it's a possibility, and I would love to see it happen. To be honest with you, in in your in your time in Memphis, because you're a younger guy, but in, in your time in Memphis, can you ever remember even going to Tiger basketball? Can you remember so much hype going into a season in recent years? No, I can't really. I, I, I will compare it to 20, the year after they won the American Championship in 2014. 2015 had high expectations because they had just come off a big season. Uh, 2016, last year actually had, well, the, the expectations were similar because they had a new head coach, but they were, they, they were still high. But 20, this, is, this has been an all-time high. I, I talked to some people yesterday, and the expectation for Tiger football right now is at its peak grade. It's at its peak. And Everybody's talking. Everybody in the city is talking about Tiger football. The, um, the season parking for the Liberty Bowl sold out for the first time in school history. <laughs> season, tickets, season tickets were up three thousand from seventeen thousand to twenty thousand this year. Everybody's talking about Tiger football. Everybody wants to get in on Tiger football, and I think it's 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 going to show on Thursday. Well, other than the rain, it's going to show throughout the season. I'll say that. But expectations are through the roof, and all this team has to do, Greg, it's simple. Win football games. Win <laughs> football games. And I don't think the pressure is going to be too much for those guys because if, because if you, you have non-returning stars on the offensive side, these are guys that have played, they've been in the trenches, so they won't be shaken from the moment. Like I said, we talked about this at the beginning. It's all going to be on the defense. If the defense can bend but don't break. I call it I call it this season the upgraded bend but don't break because <laughs> last year was the bend but don't break defense. This season will be an upgraded version of that. So, like I said, it's going to come down to what the defense does. It, this has been an underrated, uh, also an underrated part of this Tiger team is the special teams. You yeah. lose Jake Elliott, a guy who is actually dang near automatic. He's made like 245 uh, consecutive extra points. He was a four-year guy at the University of Memphis. He leaves, gets drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals. The Tigers bring in a freshman kicker, Raleigh, Raleigh Patterson, a guy who has been up and down this camp. And Coach Norvell opened up the, the kicking competition this last week to Spencer Smith, their punter. So, Tiger fans, I'm sorry, but those kicks might not be automatic anymore. So, that's another that's another situation we're going to have to watch throughout the season. Yeah, score touchdowns. Score touchdowns, no score field touchdowns. goals. Don't don't leave any doubt into it. <laughs> there you go. No doubt. There you go. <laughs> so, anybody that follows Devin on, on, uh, on Twitter or Instagram, Devin's on uh, Twitter, Devin underscore Walker 5, you see he talks about 
the NBA a lot. You've been doing covering some of the Grizzly stuff that's been going on, some of the press conferences and whatnot. Uh, what, what's yeah. kind of the vibe down down at FedEx Forum for a uh, upcoming season? I'll say I'll say they're excited, but also people are kind of on pins and needles because they, the guys they brought in. If if you look if you look across the board, Craig, you have a guy who has a messed up knee, a messed up foot, and a torn Achilles. Those are three guys you brought in through, through the, in the off season, but it's hard to determine how good this team will be because you don't know when, if those injuries are going to flare up again. So I think the, the, everybody's excited to see the the new Grizzlies team because we we've, we've kind of transitioning from the grit and grind era to this new new speed era. Because uh, I was at the press conference yesterday, like you mentioned, and Fizdale talked about a lot. We got my kind of guys in here. Chris Wallace got my kind of guys in here. He was he mentioned speed, athleticism, scoring. Those are the kind of guys that Fizdale wanted, and they got those kind of guys in the offseason. If we look at the roster, there's a lot of guys on that roster, Greg. There's <laughs> <laughs> about 18 guys on that roster, so I'm interested, I'm interested to see how they trim that roster down. I am the um, uh, I'm the resident Chandler Parsons reporter, so I am looking forward to back. Um, also, I am looking to see when the hell are they going to sign Jermichael Green? I mean, so, so really right now, because they've got the qualifying offer that was extended right at the beginning of free agency, is, is – what do what do they have to wait for? Is it just now waiting to see if anybody's going to make an offer, or like is what kind of deadline is on that for Jamichael to just sign that and be done with it? I think we've been past that point. I think we passed that point a long time ago. If Jamichael was going to sign a deal with someone else, it would have been a couple weeks ago. Yeah, you know, because training camp starts in a month. I mean, your 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 value has has kind of been you, you've shown your value. If teams wanted you, they would have come after you. You know. So I think it's just up to Jermichael and his agent to get this thing done. He actually fired his agent, I believe, a week or so ago. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah. So I think this deal gets done. Um, Jeff Hawkins from the Commercial Appeal kind of made a joke yesterday at the press conference. Uh, <laughs> he was like, I know the press conference is about this, guys, but uh, Chris, when are we going to sign Jermichael? <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to and, Jeff to do that. Yeah, I love, I love yeah. that. <laughs> so he just kind of like joked and laughed and kind of let the question go, but I mean, it's a legit, legitimate question. I mean, we're we're a month away from training camp. Jamarcus Green did have a contract. What's going on? Like, can we make this happen? I think ultimately he's going to end up on the roster, but I do think Tony Allen will end up somewhere else. The guy who started the grit and grind there. That's what I, the other thing I was going to ask you about is: is there even really room for Tony now on this team now with all the new additions and draft picks and whatnot? Is there even room for Tony on this team? I don't think so. After what I heard Fizdale say yesterday about have, having his guys in now. I think that was the that was the kind of icing on the cake for me, knowing that Tony the Tony Allen era is over with. I mean, I mean he's thirty five years old. He's he's not the same player, but I mean it's I mean, rest in peace, Gritton Guy era. To be honest with you, actually I have a I'm gonna spoil it. I'm sorry, but <laughs> amazing picture ready for when Tony Allen signed somewhere else uh, in two thousand eight, I believe. Slam Magazine posted a posted a, uh, a cover of Rudy Gay. Zach Randolph, Mark Gasol, and Mike Conley. You know, I, I'm an internet guy. I like, sure. I like to surf around the internet and Photoshop stuff. So I'll Photoshop the faces of Tony Allen and Debo away, and Mark and Mike are the last men standing from the green grind era. So watch out for that, Greg, when Tony signs somewhere. <laughs> and, and I'm glad you mentioned Mark Gasol. Like he's, he's on a very good deal for a lot of uh, teams on the outside looking in. If the Grizzlies are kind of right around 500, like maybe not necessarily out of the playoffs, but down like a 7-8 possibly, is, do you think uh, that Mark goes somewhere else this year in a trade? I think so. I think he asked for a trade. I think it will be a situation like the like not like not like not the, the Kyrie Irving situation where he acts like a child, like he wants to get out. <laughs> but I, I see Mark kind of like forcing his way out because he – he talked about he's all he's always talking about winning a championship, being in a being in a winning position. If the Grizzlies get to the All Star break and they're they're rolling around five hundred or they're two or three, four, maybe five games under five hundred, I can see Mark trying to force his way out. Maybe the Grizzlies can move forward, maybe get some draft picks, get some different assets for Mark. But I, I can see that happening if like I said, if, like you said, if they're rolling around five hundred at the at the All Star break. I mean, I can see it happen. I've seen this even crazier scenario, Greg. And tell me, if, tell me if if this person is crazy, or or this, is this a possibility? Someone said if the Grizzlies are at 500 or below at the All Star break, David Fizdale should get fired. Really? 
I've seen that. I've seen that hot take somewhere, and I was like, "What in the world?" And they said it, it was because of the the whole stance on the Black Lives Matter and the statue thing that they could find a reason to fire him. I was like, "Hmm, that's interesting." So that's something else I'll be looking out for to see how the how the organization reacts to their head coach being kind of like a not a not a, a civil rights leader, but a guy who, who's kind of standing in the community as a guy that's going to stand for what's right. I, I would have a huge problem with that, mostly because of that. I think that having a guy like Fizdale is kind of the face of your organization. Now that you've guys like Tony is most likely gone and Zebo's gone, that that David is in a way a, kind of. I mean, Mike Conley's a, a big face, and Mark is a big face of the organization. But you know, they're not doing the same kind of things that that David Fizdale is reaching out and doing in the community. So I think that that would be a big a big misstep in my opinion, if that's, I mean, of course they would never say that that's why they would get rid of him, that it'd be because the team's yeah. underperforming, but I, I, I don't, I don't think that his community activism is really a problem. I don't think, I don't think it's a problem either, but we're, we're only two people in this, in this, in this community. And you know how this community is. If, sure. When you try to stand out, they, they do their best to kind of put you back in place. So, I mean, if, if Fizdale's putting his job in jeopardy, then for for the for the greater cause, then that's okay. But you got to win on the basketball for it. And I think I don't think they'll actually do it. Like you like like you said, they won't come out and say he he'll get fired because of this this and that. But if we start to hear some rumblings, like like we talked around that All Star break, the All Star break will be that bar. Mm-hmm. We we start to hear there some rumblings because the Grizzlies are at five hundred, or Chandler Parsons come back, he's not performing, or Ben McElmore recovers from the injury, he's not performing. Uh, Dude, it, it might get it might get sketchy in Memphis. So the the thought that I've got with a with a, with a potential Mark Gasol landing point would be uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. They've got that awesome pick that they just got from from uh, from the Celtics. Yeah, and they'll be looking to kind of dump a little bit of salary, some potentially expiring deals. What what do you think about maybe like Mark Gasol for that that uh, Brooklyn pick, which isn't going to really probably be that high of a pick as it would have been. In recent years, because Brooklyn's going to be a little bit better this year, I think. But yeah. I mean, maybe like a, a top ten pick plus somebody like Tristan Thompson or Iman Shumpert, something like that for for Mark Gasol. I think that's a gr- I like that. I, I actually love that deal. Actually, I mean, it gives you it gives you a, a guy that can work with Mike Conley to pick and roll. It gives you some lob opportunities. I, I, Mark Gasol, it's a, it's a couple of different places. I think Mark Gasol can land. You you mentioned the group. You mentioned Cleveland. Um, I like Boston actually too, as well. Um, it's a couple of different places he can land. He, he I think he'll be the, his best fit in Cleveland because he'll be working with LeBron James, another basketball junkie. And I think if you can get those assets, like like you said, in the Montchamper or like that 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 first round Brooklyn pick, that'll kind of spearhead you into the future uh, going forward. One thing I, we mentioned the All Star break already. When you look at the Cavs. They're going to be another team that's been look, that's going to be looking at the All Star break because mm-hmm. if you get to the All Star break and LeBron's and the, if you see like LeBron's flourishing and they're, they're winning games, Isaiah Thomas is playing well, everything's going well, you could see a deal with the Cavs, maybe not not moving not moving the pick and some players for Marcus Hall, but moving that pick and some players for Demarcus Cousins. Yeah, it's 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 going to. Get, we talk about the All Star. We've been talking about the All Star break a lot. So this NBA season, I think, I think the the barometer, the early season success rate for a lot of teams is going to measure what happens with the All Star break because it's, it's going to get crazy, man. It's going to get crazy around around December and January. I think this year you'll see Mark taking a lot more. I mean, he took a lot of threes last year. I think you'll see even more of it this year because, in his own mind, he may not say it out loud, but in his head, he might say, you know, these teams that are contending. They're yeah. gonna they're gonna be looking for somebody that can shoot the three, and that's yeah. why I think he'd be a good fit for Cleveland because he could move out to the three point line, and that's what Cleveland does is they they shoot a lot of threes. But and, the problem with that is who's gonna get the rebound? You know, Mark <laughs> Mark's not a very good rebounder at all. Yeah, <sighs> it's 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 curious to me just because if if you trade a guy like Gasol, then you're you're almost to a rebuilding point. Even if it's not officially rebuilding, at that point you're almost kind of giving up in a way because the, the problem I see, the reason I would think they would want to move Mark for a pick is you've got that Boston pick that you traded to Boston once upon a time that I think is completely unprotected, if I remember correctly. So even if the Grizzlies are, ba- or if the Grizzlies are bad, that's, that could be really bad for the team because if they're a, 
a very, very, very low on the totem pole team. They could lose a top five pick to Boston for for nothing, basically. Yeah, and that's 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 what you don't want, especially like you said, like if you have to give up Mark and you lose that pick, it kind of sets you back because you can't have one foot in the future and one one foot in the past in, in the in the present. I think you're going to be in, think you're going to keep the fan base, you're going to keep the support. The Memphis fans are very fair with it, Greg. They they, they change on you quick. So <laughs> I mean, I, I think if if you're gonna if you're gonna move forward in the future. It's going to be step by step, and I think they've done a good job. They've done a good job recently of kind of like not completely real, not completely rebuilding, but kind of like taking different steps to move to the future without having to completely rebuild. So, if you have to give up Mark, that's going to tell your fans, like you said, that's going to tell your fans, "Oh no, we're not going to be good. We might have to rebuild." But then again, you have that number one pick to kind of look forward to. So, I mean, this this season, man, this season is going to be. Woo! It's going to be an interesting one in Memphis, and we we didn't I didn't mention it before when we talked about the players who got signed. But Ben McLemore, is he going to recover from the injury? Yep. Taylor Parsons, will we be back? Instagram Chandler is a hell of a player. I'll tell you that. Like I, <laughs> Instagram Chandler Parsons is, is probably a seventeen a game guy, but will he be able to translate that when he comes back to Memphis? Will he stay healthy? Tyreek Evans, another guy who's been hurt all not eight nine years of his career, will he be able to stay healthy? Mario Chalmers, how will he be able to play without recovering from a torn Achilles? It's so many question marks, so many question marks on this Grizzlies team, and I think that's why we didn't mention this, but the Westgate had the Grizzlies at thirty-seven and a half wins, and I think that's one of the reasons why. Yeah, and yeah, I'm glad you said Instagram Chandler because I was actually having a debate with somebody the other day about who's a better player, Instagram Chandler or Hoodie Mello. Oh, no doubt, Hoodie Mello. Like, <laughs> But I think Instagram Chandler would give him a good game, no doubt. <laughs> Dude, Instagram Chandler has only missed one shot this summer. <laughs> and, and you know I've been keeping track. Like, I've been the, like I said, I'm the consummate Chandler Parsons reporter. And he posts a video, I am there. I am there on the spot. So he's only missed one shot. He's like one of like 25 this summer, which is phenomenal. Are, are we going to bring back the, uh, the hashtag this season to make Chandler Parsons great again? Oh, you know it. You know, actually, you know what? I, I, might, I might change it up this season. Bring, well, I, I got to do some thinking, but it's going to be like bring Instagram Chandler back or something like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to incorporate that with it. I'm going to have some fun. So we we kind of talked a little bit about it just here and there in that last little bit about the, the Kyrie Irving thing. So yeah. to you, do, does this make the Cavs any better? I don't really think it does, to be honest. I don't, I don't think so either. I think in, in the long run it makes the Cavs worse. And I said that I said to someone, and they looked at me weird. I was like, "Yeah, the Cavs got worse. They won the trade. I think the Cavs won the trade, but if you look at their talent wise, they got worse on the floor. Because, I mean, if you look at Isaiah Thomas, he's basically a five nine version of Kyrie Irving, <laughs> who defends worse. Yeah. So, I mean, if you give up a better version of Kyrie Irving, then you get worse, right? I mean, that's how it goes. Of course, you add Jay Crowder. You got the pick. You add all the extra things. But I think in the long run, you get worse on the on the Celtic side, and you get the number one pick. We already talked about on the Celtic side. You, you Kyrie Irving gets to play, gets to have his own team. He gets to play, he gets to play with Brad Stevens, probably the best coach he's played with since he's been at Duke. Um, the only problem with that is, Greg, Kyrie Irving's twenty four years old. Mm-hmm. Um, can he lead a basketball team? Can he lead a basketball team? Can he be the guy to kind of spare that team when they need the leadership in the fourth quarter when they need a dumb stretch? Because we know Isaiah Thomas was the leader. He was the leader of that Boston Celtics basketball team. Kyrie Irving is 24 years old. He's young. I mean, Gordon Harris is not going to lead your basketball team, is he? Mm-hmm. Al Horvath is not going to lead your team. So I'm, I'm looking forward to see how the leadership goes in Boston. And I, I think it's going to be a wake-up call for Kyrie because I compared it to this, and people thought it was funny when I, when I did it. Um, Kyrie Irving wanted to go to Boston because he wanted to get away from LeBron James, right? <laughs> and um, I compared it to kind of running away from your parents' house. And when you run away from your parents' house and you're on the street alone and you realize, oh, no, maybe I need my parents, you know? And I think Kyrie Irving's going to understand that. He's going he's gonna to come to that realization very quick that LeBron James kind of made you, in a sense. If you, put, if you take LeBron James away from Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving's still a guy who's playing in a lottery, playing for a lottery team. Mm-hmm. So 
I think it's going to be a wake-up call for Kyrie. He's going to have talent around him. They'll still be second, second or third in the East because of, the East is trash. But in the end, Kyrie Irving's going to be second in the East. And so if LeBron James retires, he's going to be uh, not in the NBA Finals, and he's going to be just I – don't, I don't even – at this point, I don't even know. Cause, okay, girl, I'll ask, I'll ask you this from a basketball standpoint. Mm-hmm. You're shooting the ball 25, 25 times a game. What's the problem with that? Maybe you're not getting the shots that you want to take necessarily. You're at the final. You're in the finals every year. What's the problem with that? You got a point. I mean, I think. <laughs> I think with, with Kyrie's big thing to me is that he just wants to have more control of how the offense operates. Not necessarily getting himself more shots. I think that he feels that he can. He's he could be a better player overall if he can actually control because he was playing point guard but he wasn't actually the point guard yeah he was a shooting he was a shoot first yep. guy. So, yeah I mean, it's we'll see. we'll see i'm glad you mentioned jay crowder too because the thing that bothers me with the trade that was kind of surprising to me is i'm not a big jay crowder guy mostly because i was i was big on him until the playoffs last year when a team like the Chicago Bulls gave him all sorts of fits <laughs> and and made Jay kind of irrelevant for most of that series and, yeah. sh- and showed how to beat that Celtics team. Because honestly, I think that without R- Rajon Rondo getting hurt, I don't think the Celtics win that series last year. I don't know either. They were down 2-0 before Rondo got hurt. Yeah, I, can ag- I agree with you 100% on that one. If Rondo doesn't get hurt in that series, can we see the can we see the Bulls playing the the Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals, not the not the Celtics? And could we see this deal eventually getting done because this happens? So it, it's a lot of dominoes that kind of played played a part in this. And we go back to the the, the, the trade. I I don't as as far as the Cavs go, it, it's a question for me. Like actually, I'll say this. I'll say this. I talked about I talked a lot about Kyrie, kind of wanting to have his own team, wanting to do this, wanting to do that. Could this kind of been like a LeBron telling Kyrie? get out before I leave. Could you see that playing a part? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Kind of, kind of LeBron, like, tell him, dude, I'm leaving. Like, force your way out of here because if not, you're at, your butt's going to be stuck here by yourself. Well, on the Bill Simmons podcast uh, this week, he was uh, he was talking to Kevin Durant, and he kind of posed a question sort of like that to Kevin about it, and Kevin, of course, kind of deflected all of it. But it it's something that I think – because he asked Kevin if he knew what LeBron's doing. He's like, oh, no, I don't know anything. But I have a feeling that a lot of the things going on, like like you said, Kyrie going somewhere else, some of, some of these deals that they're making, it, LeBron has to have told somebody in the Cleveland organization what's going on. There's no way that this close to him potentially leaving that he hasn't told somebody, hey, I don't know if I want to stay. He hasn't said anything that we know of. Which bo- yeah, which is more worrisome than anything to me. <laughs> exactly, and, and if you're the Cleveland Cavaliers organization, you're on pins and needles, man. You're on pins and needles. You're like, what do we step? Do we take a step to the future, or do we keep building this team for now? Because they're luxury. They're in a luxury tax by a lot of money, a lot of money because of what LeBron James wanted. And another another kind of scenario I've kind of I've gone over in my head is did LeBron James put Dan Gilbert in this position to kind of get back at him? <laughs> did he tell did he did he tell Dan Gilbert pay Tristan Thompson all that money pay J.R. Smith all that money pay Kevin Love all that money pay me all that money oh yeah huh, I'm gone in 2019 now you're strapped and you suck like the thing is too if Le- LeBron leaves after this season and you take just LeBron's salary off and you leave everything kind of where it's at they're still like a good 30 million dollars over the luxury tax exactly that's that's <laughs> like I said, that's a scenario I played in my head like this is LeBron James. Getting Dan Gilbert back because if you look at those previous interviews, he never refers to Dan Gilbert by name. Mm-hmm. He never says his name, and he's always talked about how his mom didn't even want to go back to Cleveland. His wife didn't want to go back to Cleveland. He made a business decision. I could. I mean, LeBron James is a petty guy, bro. He's he's very <laughs> passive aggressive. So I mean, that's that's an, that's a scenario I played I played in my head. So I mean, it's, it's it's we don't know because we're not LeBron James head, obviously. Sure. But I mean. The NBA man, it's it's a freaking soap opera for sure. So, so the Warriors have done nothing but get better this off season. I think is are is this just going to be is this Golden State against whoever else can get out of the East again? 
pretty much, pretty much. And that's another reason, kind of, why I was shocked to see this, this, um, this move with with the the Cavs and the Celtics because you're not getting better than Golden State. The Cavs, Cavs, when the Cavs made that move, they didn't they didn't do anything to get better than Golden State. Golden State added Nick Young. <laughs> <laughs> they added Nick Young to a bench that's already phenomenal. Jordan it's, Bell too. That Jordan that deal, Bell, my God. Versatile player from Oregon. Dude, it's. It's, it's going to be the Warriors versus everybody. And like I said, it's, it's basically in the NBA who's fighting for second place. Barring bar injury, who's fighting for second place? Because the Warriors are just so much better than everybody else. And I, I made this. You might, you might not like this comment because you're, you're a Bulls fan. <laughs> and we, we, could go, we could talk about this later. But I looked at Kevin Durant, and he's 6'10", right? Mm-hmm. 6'10", 6'11", 7'0". Dribbles the ball like a guard. Has a has a mid range to post post game, shoots the ball from thirty five feet. Could he be one of the greatest scorers ever? Could he be a better scorer than Marcus Jordan? <sighs> First score, First, putting the ball in the basket. I think I think when all is said and done, I think Durant is going to be like a top five player of all time. I I don't I I don't see still the <clears throat> the thing that that. Everybody says about LeBron and Jordan and guys like Kobe is that he doesn't, to me, still have that like killer instinct. Yeah. To just go in there and be like, "F your couch, dude. I'm taking this yeah. game over, and this is all over. This is this is my go- my game now." Like he's had yeah. games where he's taken over, but he just still doesn't seem to have that that extra gear to just be like, "It's all over. Just give me the ball. Yeah. It's all over." Yeah. Well, I mean, he did it in Game Five of the Finals where he took that shot. Mm-hmm. To, like, Transition against LeBron, but like I, I agree with you on that. He hasn't had the gumption to just take over a basketball game. But as a, as a pure scorer, just a guy who just puts the ball in the basket consistently, just from different levels, just unguardable. Yeah, I just I, I thought about it. I sat and thought about it the other day. I was like, when, like you said, when it's all said and done, Kevin Durant's going to be a top five, like top five, top three scorer of all time. We're going to look at him as one of the the most offensively gifted players to ever play the game of basketball. And and I was like, we could put him in a realm with Jordan. I mean. Jordan, Jordan wasn't the greatest three-point shooter, but he he made threes. He made his living from what fifteen to twenty feet out, mm-hmm. maybe. Especially later in his career, it was definitely yeah. more more perimeter. Yeah, so I mean, I look at Kevin Durant. I'm just like, he's a he's a unicorn, man. He's a, he's a unicorn. <laughs> he's a once in a lifetime player. And of course, we can we can poke at him and prod him for the decision he's made. But when he gets on that basketball floor, man, he talked like I, I mentioned. I listened to a little bit of that Bill Simmons podcast as well. He talks about all he wants to do is play basketball. Yep. All he just wants to go hoop, and, and he talks about how Kyrie's game has been built from when he was younger, from the playground to what he is now. Kevin Durant's game has been the same way. The guy who's been working his butt off, and I, like we talked, we said it. He's going to be a top three scorer of all time, and I agree with you one hundred percent. But I do, I think at the end of his career, we will be talking about. I think I will be <laughs> if he's a better scorer than Michael Jordan. And I, I think it's weird. It's, 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 it's weird to say now that. Looking back a year ago, the, all the criticism that he got for that, but that him leaving Oklahoma City was probably the best thing he's ever done for his career. I think so, and I, I wanted the guys that kind of laughed at him because, I mean, as a, as a as a young man, you don't ever go side with somebody who just kicked your butt, right? I mean, I mean that that's life. But like, it was a business decision, though. Ultimately, it was a business decision. It was it was the, probably the best decision, like you said, he made in his career. He's going to get a couple rings out of it. Mm-hmm. He's going to get. Because what, 15, 20, 25 years from now, are we going to be talking about this decision? No, we're not. We're going to talk about Kevin Durant, how many points he scored, how many rings he had. So right now we're talking about it 15, 20 years. When, when I have kids, I'm pretty sure when your kids get older, they won't be talking about, oh, yeah, Kevin Durant left the Thunder. Oh, it was a, it was a, it was a crappy decision. They're going to be talking about how many rings are on his finger and ultimately how many points he scored. So that's a discussion that, that's not going to be had. So I don't understand why we have it now. So one, I want to switch gears now from uh, the NBA stuff into uh, you were at the at a Fox and Hound here in Memphis watching uh, Mayweather McGregor the other night. What did you think about it? It was a great dude. It was a spectacle. It, it was an absolute spectacle, and I was surprised to be honest with you because I thought coming to this fight that McGregor was going to look stupid. I thought that the Mayweather was going to just toy with him, laugh with him, take, like just kind of poke, poke his head around, just play with McGregor. McGregor came out with a on fire, man. If you look at the scorecards, the scorecards have uh, Mayweather, I think, winning the first two rounds. 
McGregor won those rounds easily. Yep. I think he's the first two of the first three rounds easily. He came out gun to blazing. He looked competent in the ring. He didn't look out of place. I do think, though, I'll say this. I do think that Mayweather had a plan. Oh, yeah. You know, I've seen this dude fight in the UFC. All of McGregor's fights in the UFC, he's tired himself out. He's been submitted. All, all the fights he's lost in the UFC, he's, he's come out guns a blazing. He will tire himself out. He will get himself in a, in, a, in a bad ground position, and he ultimately sum, and basically submitted. So McGregor basically, not McGregor, Mayweather basically did the same thing in the ring, in a, in a boxing form. I'm going to let you come out at me, swing at me all you want, hit me as many times as you want. I'm going to get you in that 10th round. When, you, when, you're, when your legs are done, I'm going to get you in the 10th round. And that's what he did it. He did it late in those rounds. But like I said, I props to McGregor, man. I, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was happy for McGregor because God, first, he got a big check. He got a, a huge payday. <laughs> he showed that he's competent in the boxing ring. And he didn't look like an idiot in front of all these people. It, 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 just, it, it was a, just a big spectacle. And I was, I'm glad I could be a part of it because I think one day I'll be able to tell my kids that I was, I was able to watch the biggest fight in combat sports history and it wasn't a joke. Yeah, that, that's the thing I was worried about the most is it was going to just be like, oh, this is going to be just a waste of time. People are going to be so mad. But it was it ended up being the exact opposite of the, the fight against Manny Pacquiao where everybody wanted their money back afterwards. A lot of people this time were like, wow, that was actually kind of worth what, what I spent on it. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know about worth $100 because there's a lot of people with $100. Yeah. There's a lot of things you can buy with $100, and I, I guarantee you a boxing match will be low on that list. But I will say, like like you, like you said, you mentioned the Pacquiao and Mayweather fight. It was so much better than that. And Mayweather even mentioned it. He was like, I felt like I had to repay my fans for that for what I did against Pacquiao. Like, <laughs> so it was, so, that was, it was entertaining. But this fight was entertaining for sure. And what they said that uh, McGregor landed, like, oh, how many more? Like 27 more punches than Pacquiao did? Yeah. He 111 and uh, Pacquiao landed 87. I'm not a math major. I already said that already. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it could be 27, but um, he landed so many more punches. Like it, it shows that if you just, if you're just aggress- aggressive with Mayweather, then you never know what could happen. And another thing about the fight was, it was kind of funny to me as I was watching it. These are two guys that were not going to knock each other out. You know, mm-hmm. like, like we've seen Mayweather in the past. He has like brittle hands. Uh, McGregor, he doesn't have as strong a knockout power um, in the boxing as he does in MMA because the gloves are a little bit thicker. Even I listened to Chell Song on, on one of uh, some podcasts, and he said that there's no way that a, a, a MMA guy can go into a boxing ring and knock someone out because of the, it's a diff, it's a completely different sport. So yeah, the striking is completely different from one sport exactly, to the other. Exactly in boxing, there's just like what three or four, maybe five punches you can throw. Yep, and and. And made there's so many more variations. So I, we went into we went into this fight with two guys who weren't going to knock each other out, but they put on a good show, and I'm I'm happy, man. I, I'm happy. I'm happy. I watched it. I'm happy that we got a show. Uh, it, it was good. It was fun to watch. So with everything that you've got, you've had going on with the Tigers and got Grizzly stuff. What what else have you got going on, Devin? That people need to know about. Man, I'm a busy man, dude. I have my foot <laughs> in a little bit of everything. Uh, I'm also, I'm a contributor to prepweekly.com. It's uh, the biggest prep site in the state of Tennessee. I'm a West Tennessee contributor for that website, so you can check myself out there. If you like any high school football, high school basketball news, I, I, I write stuff on that website. I'll post that stuff uh, periodically when I get it. Um, I think that's it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, my, my, I do Tiger stuff. I do Grizzly stuff. Uh Tiger basketball, just everything, man. Like Devin Walker, man. My face is everywhere. I try, I try to, I try to make sure I'm, I'm everywhere. So uh, the grind does not stop, Greg. It does not stop. <laughs> where, where can people find you online to uh, see some of your fun social media stuff? Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, Devin underscore Walker five. I apologize beforehand <laughs> because I, I like to have fun, man. I feel like Twitter is a place to have fun. So follow me on Twitter. Like I said, Devin underscore Walker five. Or you can follow me on Snapchat. I have fun there, too, at Walker 5 Big thanks to Devin Walker for hanging out with me on the phone for a little bit today, talking a little bit of Tigers, a little bit of NBA, all kinds of good stuff. Um, next week's show, uh, I'm working on something cool for next week. Don't quite know what it's going to be. No, it's going to be on Friday again, just like normal. Uh, doing something special this week since you know I'm, I'm based in Memphis and we've got a lot of Memphis folks that listen to the show. 
Wanted to give give a little bit of Memphis Tiger football talk. I'm excited for the season. I cannot wait for it to get going. Uh, if you're listening to this out at the Liberty Bowl before the game tonight, go Tigers. Have fun. Have a beer for me. I will not be out the, out there at the tailgate. Uh, might get down there for the game. I don't know yet. Still thinking about that. Depends on how much it's raining. <laughs> um, Want to let everybody know, too, there's something cool that I, I've got a whole bunch of new pages that you can go check out. Uh, if you go to Patreon, you can now support the podcast financially. I thank you for listening every week. Listening to my podcast doesn't pay the bills. So <laughs> I have set up a page on Patreon. For $2 a month or more, you could do $2, you could do $3, you could do $60. That is completely 100% up to you. And for right now, there's there's no reward other than the fact that you'll still continue to hear my show every single week. Now, in the future, we might have some rewards, t-shirts or stickers or, or something, live events. I don't know. We'll see. It's, a, it's all up to you. You make this show bigger, we can do more things. Right now, my goal is to be able to get some better equipment for doing my show, a uh, little bit better computer setup, microphone setup, everything, make it, make it a little easier for me to, to bring you guys awesome guests every week on the show. Maybe even do more than one show a week. We'll see. But you can go to Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Greg Ratliff. There's a little link over on the side, become a patron. Click on that, and I will appreciate it greatly. And if I see you in person, I will give you a giant hug and a high five and a kiss on the cheek or something. I don't know. But thank you if you do that. Um, I'm on Twitter at Greg Ratliff. Um, pretty soon, going to have some blog stuff up. Myself and uh, Matt Preston are going to be doing some writing for uh, a website that's as yet to be named. Probably something involving from the penalty box. That would be my guess. But... Uh, that's coming soon. You know, I get some, uh, maybe not daily, but very often some blog posts from me and Matt uh, about all kinds of different things. Um, so keep that in your mind. That's going to be coming soon, too. But definitely, patreon.com slash Greg Ratliff. I would love for you to be able to support my show, support this for me. And hopefully, eventually, I could just do this for a living. That would be amazing. You'd spend so much time at home. I don't think my, my fiancé would like that, but I would be home so much more often, and I, I would appreciate it greatly. So uh, until next week, you guys all be good to each other, and we out. Rolling Stone and critics everywhere are all raving about Annihilation. It's not destroying. It's making something new. It's a mind-blowing experience. And now it's certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Annihilation. Rated R. Now playing. The New York Times, Rolling Stone, and critics everywhere are all raving about Annihilation. It's not destroying. It's making something new. It's a mind-blowing experience. And now it's certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Annihilation. Rated R. Now playing.